Well, we are tonight finishing up a series that we've been in, that we've been calling Strings. And so, if this is your first time here with us, you haven't been the last few weeks, or maybe this is your first time ever to Reckless, um, number one, we're glad you're here, and uh, you picked a great night to come. And I know that, you know, it's Halloween, and, you know, we do some scary things and that kind of thing, but, you know, it's not too often that you walk in a room and you see creepy dolls hanging from the, the ceiling and people busting in the room with chainsaws and stuff like that. So I assure you it's not typically what we have, uh, we have going on, although that would be a lot of fun. Um, but we are in a series that we've been in over the last few weeks called Strings, and the question that we've been asking over the course of this series, and this is in, in part to kind of catch everybody up and make sure, because of where we're going tonight, that we really have a great understanding of what we've talked about and where we're going tonight, is we've been asking the question, what controls you? What controls you? That's the question that we've been asking, and over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how there are things in our lives like pride or things like gluttony that can cause a lot of damage and a lot of destruction to our lives when we allow those things to control us. And this, quite frankly, has been a series about control and asking that question, what controls us, and trying to get all of us to understand and kind of think about that, that question as it pertains to our own life. What is it that controls you? Now tonight I'm excited because I believe that we're gonna share some hope tonight that's gonna bring life to some of you in the room. Man, I, I'm so excited because I think there's gonna be some of you in the room that are, tonight are gonna experience a level of freedom in your life that you have never experienced before. And, that's, and at the end of the day, that's what this series is all about. Now, you see the creepy dolls, they're hanging from strings, and it's not totally just to weird you out. I mean, there is, a, there is a purpose behind it. There is a reason why we're doing that. And what we've said with all of these dolls that have been hanging from the ceiling, or more, more accurately, marionettes, is for all of us to picture ourselves like one of these puppets on a string. All right, the goal and the idea is to get us to understand and wrap our minds around that concept that you and I are like puppets on a string. You and I are being controlled by something. Now, the, the issue with control, I mean, the, the word control is kind of a funny word because there are some of us in the room, and probably a lot of us, that we want to control as much as we possibly can. Right? How many, how many control freaks are there in the room? Be honest. All right. That's good. That's good. Good honesty. There's a lot of us in the room tonight that we would look at ourselves and we say, man, if, if there are aspects of my life that I cannot control, that will freak me out. And all of us, to a certain extent, are that way. We want to know that we can control our life. We want to know that we can control the things that we wear or the things that we do or the places that we go or the friends that we hang out with or what we do with our life. I mean, there's so much of our life that we want to be able to control. And yet the reality is there is so much of our life that we, in, in truth we don't control. None of us control what family we're born into. None of us have any control over what gifts or abilities or talents we possess. None of us 
have any control over things sometimes that happen to us or the way that we're going to die one day or that kind of stuff. I mean, if, if we really think about it, there's a lot of our lives that we, lives that we don't have control over. And what I want all of us as, as we start tonight, because, and this is so important in order for us to get to where we want to get to, for all of us to understand the, the, the truth that control is a myth. You and I really have no control whatsoever. You and I are like puppets on a string. And all of us are controlled by something. And from the moment you and I take our first breath, you and I are controlled by something called sin. And this is true of every single one of us in this room. Nobody is exempt from that. Uh, It's true of every human that has ever existed, that lives on the planet now, and that ever will exist. From the moment you and I take our first breath, we are controlled by sin. And sin is so destructive and so powerful that it controls everything about our life. It has a lot more control over us than sometimes we care to admit. And we find ourselves, if, 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 we're a, if we take a step back and admit it, that we are a lot like this guy. Sin dictates where we go and what we believe and what we do. Sin has a lot of control over us, and the truth is, it controls us like these strings control this puppet. And it causes so much damage and so much destruction, it has so much power over us that you and I are completely powerless to fix it on our own. It doesn't matter how hard we try to pull the strings off. It doesn't matter how much we try to convince ourselves that they're not there. It doesn't matter how, how good we try to be or how much effort we put into it. There is nothing that we can do to get these strings off of our hands and our feet. Sin controls our life. Sin dictates everything that we do. And sin is so destructive and so powerful that it controls everything. Now, it can control us in different ways. For some of us in the room, the way that sin controls us might be in the area of something like pride. And the issue of pride might completely ravage our life, might have so much control over us. Maybe for some of us in the room, it's, it's something like lust. Maybe that controls everything about us. Maybe it's like we talked about last week about gluttony, the, the desire to continue to pursue and chase after things, thinking that they're going to satisfy us. And it becomes a constant chase and a constant pursuit that all it does is control everything about us. For some of us, it might be things like hatred or anger. Maybe anger dictated or directed at certain individuals. Maybe it's certain uh, people in our lives. Maybe it's ourselves. But we're so controlled by anger or by hatred that it dictates what we do and what, where we go and what we believe. See, it can, it can take on different forms in all of us, but the, the, the truth is the same or the end game is the same, is that all of us end up like puppets. 
And not only that, but the road, the destination that sin takes us is the same for all of us. Sin takes us down one road towards one destination, and that destination is death. Now, not just physical death, but spiritual death. The end result of our lives is physical, spiritual, eternal death. Now, no matter how much we try to get away from it, no matter how much we might con- try to convince ourselves it's that, that that's not true, or we might you know, kind of put the brakes on, or you know, not want to listen to it, or whatever, it doesn't allow us to escape from the reality that all of us are controlled. And that we're in really bad shape. In fact, the Bible uses such words like this to describe our life of being controlled like a puppet on a string. Uses words like lost, dead, blinded, controlled, deceived, broken, and even condemned to describe our life in sin. So not only does sin lead to death, but it also, what it does is it separates us from God. And it keeps us from the life, ultimately, that God has created for us to live. Now, it's important for us to to be able to understand and just really soak in that reality. I'm not trying to bum all you guys out. I'm not trying to make you upset or, you know, get you all angry or depressed or any of that kind of stuff. But it's very, very important in order for us to get where we want to get to tonight to really allow that to soak in. And what I want to challenge all of us in the room tonight is that we're open and honest enough with ourselves and with our lives that we're able to take a step back and look and to be able to see traces of sin or the way that we're controlled by sin in our lives. And to be able to understand that it has such power over us that we cannot do anything to fix it. Now, the great thing is is that something can be done to fix it. In fact, something has been done to fix it. The truth is, this is not the life that God wants for any of us. And God did something incredible for all of us in this room in order to fix what we were powerless to fix. If you brought your Bibles tonight, we've got it on the screen if you don't, we're gonna look at Ephesians chapter five, or excuse me, Romans chapter five. And here's what what it says, starting in verse six. It says, when we were utterly helpless. All right, now again, to make sure that we're able to to soak in that reality and say, we were utterly helpless. There was nothing we could do to fix it. No matter how hard we tried or how much we did, we were utterly, completely helpless. We were broken and condemned and lost and controlled. We were utterly helpless. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now here's what happened, here's what these verses are saying. You and I, again, were utterly helpless. We were completely incapable to fix the brokenness and the sin that existed in our life. 
And because God loved us enough to not leave us that way, which is something that that for some of us in the room, we've got to be able to, to get to that place where maybe for the longest time we've thought about God and we've said there's no way that there's a God of love. There's no way that God could care about me. There's no way that God would love me. Maybe he loves other people, but he doesn't love me. For us to understand tonight that God loved all of us, not most of us in the room, not just the Christians, not just the church-going people, God loved all of us in the room, no matter how broken, no matter how screwed up or messed up our life is. God loved us enough that when we were utterly helpless, he did the only thing possible. God sent his son who was perfect and blameless, who was God himself. God sent his son to die for us. God sent Jesus to take on the death and the punishment that you and I deserved because of our sin. That road that that sin took us down, that destination that was gonna be the result for all of us, death, God allowed his son to be that punishment, to take on the death that you and I deserve for our sin. And Jesus did that. God did that for us so that you and I could go free. Jesus loved us enough that he did that. He gave up his son so that you and I could have life. Now what Jesus did on the cross is something that that is known as the great exchange. And if you guys have your notes, if you want to fill this in, this is something that is absolutely unbelievable. And here's what the great exchange means. It means God took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. Now think about that for just a minute. God took our sin, our brokenness, our screwed up life, All of the destruction, all the damage, God took that sin away from us, that sin that condemned us to death. God took that from us, and in return, he gave us his righteousness. To take it a step further, Jesus on the cross became our sin, and you and I became God's righteousness. Now, you think about what an unbelievable offer that is for us. That sounds like a terrible idea or a terrible deal for God. I don't know if any of you guys, as when you were kids or maybe even now, if you guys play fantasy football or whatever, and you're, you, know, you, you trade something. You know, you're offering trades to somebody else in the league, or maybe when you were kids, you traded baseball cards or Pokemon or Barbies or whatever you traded. We traded something with each other, right? And... We determined whether or not it was a good deal based on really what we got in return. And as part of this great exchange, it's a horrible deal for God, or at least it seems on the surface, and an unbelievable deal for you and me. That we stand condemned to death, and yet God took that sin away from us, and he gave us his righteousness Not just the righteousness of a moral person or a good person that kind of does a lot of good things or whatever, but the righteousness of God, the perfection of God. God gives that to you and to me because of what Jesus did on the cross. 
And God did it because he knew that was the only thing that would solve our sin problem. And God loved us enough that he was willing to do that so that you and I could be forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but man, that's why I say it's so important for us to understand how hopeless our situation is. Because when we're able to really fully understand how hopeless our situation is, like this is the greatest news in the, in the history of the planet. Like you tell, me, you tell me something, some kind of news that's better than this. That you and I were broken and lost and controlled by our sin and God loved us enough that he sent his son to die for us and he took our sin and he gave us his righteousness and he forgave us. And now because of that, we no longer stand condemned and we're free from sin and we no longer have to be controlled by sin. We now stand forgiven and free because of what God through Jesus on the cross, has done for us. And this is absolutely unbelievable. And here's the thing that happens when, when we're willing to put our faith and our trust in that. When we look at that and we're willing to admit that we're sinners and we look and go, man, I'm, I'm desperately in need of an answer and God, you provided that for me. God, I want my sins to be forgiven and God, I want your righteousness and so God, I, I need that and I'm reaching out for that. God, I admit my, my, my failures and my shortcomings and my sin and I want to accept the forgiveness that you offer. And when we're willing to do that, the Bible says that everything changes for us. Now, we don't just become slightly different people. We don't just, God doesn't just come and kind of you know, remove some of the rough edges. What actually is the case is that you and I, the Bible says, we become new creations. We become something that we've never been before. That old life of sin and destruction and all of those temptations and all of those weak areas of our life, that no longer becomes who we are. When we receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers, the Bible says that everything changes. We become a new creation. And it's all because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. In fact, just to make sure that none of us in the room can take any credit for it or to be able to kind of pat ourselves on the back and go, yeah, I'm forgiven and it's awesome what I've done for myself. And also, too, so that all of us can really fully understand the weight and the impact that Jesus had when he died on the cross. What that means for us. There's a few things that we want to make sure of the next couple minutes that we outline for you. All right, and I would strongly encourage you if you've got a pen or something to write with that you write this down. Because if we really understand this, this will change everything for us. The first one is this, because of Jesus, we go from controlled by sin to freed from sin. Because of Jesus, we go from controlled by sin to freed from sin. Now here's what happens. We'll go back to this analogy. All right, this is you and I. We're puppets on the string like this cool guy in, in the suit. You and I are puppets on the string. And when Jesus enters the picture and we receive the forgiveness 
that he offers us through the cross. Jesus comes along and he cuts the strings. Jesus comes along and he frees us from the control that sin has had in our life since the day we were born. Jesus comes and he cuts every string and now no longer are we held captive and controlled by the sin that has ruined our life and is heading, is taking us down the road towards our destruction. Jesus takes us from controlled by sin to completely and totally free. We no longer have to walk around being controlled by our sinful nature. We no longer have to allow the things of, of sin to dictate what we do and where we go and the things that we believe. You and I now stand completely free from the control that sin has had on our lives. We go from controlled by sin to freed from sin. And not only are we freed from something, sin, but now we are free to something. We are freed now to a radical new relationship with Jesus. To pursue Jesus the way that we were originally created to pursue him. Romans 6, starting at verse 5, says this. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, in other words, we received the forgiveness that Jesus offered, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. And when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also, listen to this, should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. And I don't know about some of you in the room or all of you in the room, but when I think about the, the power that sin has held in my life in certain areas, and to know that that power no longer has rule or dominion over me. That is an unbelievable freeing thing, an incredible thought to know. That sin may have once had control over us, but when we receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers, we are freed from that power. The second thing is this, because of Jesus, we go from condemned to death to now risen to life. Our life is no longer marked by death. Now you think about that word condemned. That word condemned means to be judged. Meaning there is no hope. When, when something is condemned, it is completely set apart. It is, it is left aside. There is no hope. There is nothing you can do. It is, it is, there is judgment that is cast on whatever that thing it is when it is condemned. All right, if you ever see a house that's condemned, it's condemned because there's no hope of them being able to restore that. And what sin did to us is it condemned us to death. Meaning sin in our lives left absolutely no hope of us fixing it ourselves. 
And yet Jesus through the cross brought life to us. And not only are we, con- we're not condemned to death, but now we're risen to life. Our old life of sin has been killed. And just like Jesus rose from the dead, you and I are now raised to new life. Romans 5.18 says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. The third thing, and this is, this is something that absolutely blows me away. Because of Jesus, we go from enemies of God to holy like God. We go from enemies of God to now holy like God. Listen to what Colossians 1 says. It says, this includes you who were once far away from God, meaning all of us. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself, meaning he has brought you back together. He has repaired that relationship to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. And do you guys understand the impact and the weight of what that is saying right now? You and I stood as enemies of God because of our sin. I mean, the divide was there. There was nothing we could do to fix it. And because our sin separated us from a holy God, God, even though he loved us, our sin made us an enemy of God. And God had every right to just leave us as we were. And he would have been justified in doing so, and us being condemned to an eternal death would have been justification because we deserved it because of our sin. And yet what Jesus did on the cross is he came and he repaired that relationship. He reconciled that relationship between us and God. And not only are we forgiven, we are no longer enemies of God. And now God looks at us and he looks at us and he sees holiness. He sees righteousness. We're not just forgiven. God actually looks at us, and in terms of our standing with God, God looks at us and he sees Jesus. And if you've ever been impacted by the weight of your sin, if you've been honest enough to look at your life and know what a failure we are sometimes and how much we screw up our lives, and to know that the opportunity is there for us through the cross, for God to look at us and not see a mistake, not see a screw up, not see somebody that he doesn't love or care about, but God looks at us and he sees his son, Jesus. God looks at us and he sees perfection. We've been taken from enemies of God to now holy like God because of Jesus. Here's the last thing. Because of Jesus, we go from a life marked by defeat to a life of victory. We now have victory. In fact, in Romans 8, 37, it says, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. 
So now we used to look at our lives and it was defeated by sin and it didn't seem no matter how hard we, how hard we tried, it seemed like sin continually beat us down and it defeated us. And now you and I, because of the cross, have victory. Sin no longer has power over us. Sin no longer defeats us. You and I now stand forgiven and we have victory through Jesus. And here's the amazing thing for all of us in the room. We no longer have to go back to that life of sin. We have overwhelming victory over that old life. That old life is dead and we're now raised to new life. That life no longer has power over us. And yet here's what so often some of us do. We receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers. And God does all these incredible things for us and he forgives us and that divide is fixed and we're now holy like God. And yet we start sometimes going through our life and we go back sometimes to that life of sin. And that life that we have freedom over, that we have defeated because of what Jesus has done for us, we kind of go back to it and we go, you know what, I'm, I'm, that was a lot of fun. And I enjoyed some of the things that that brought to me. Or that sin deceives us into thinking, you know what, it, maybe it wasn't so bad. Maybe that old life of sin wasn't so bad. And what we do is that, that sin that has been defeated in our life, we give power back to it. And we allow sin, once again, to start controlling our lives. And we allow those strings to be put back up and... Before we know it, we're back in the mess that we started in. And that life of defeat starts happening. We start seeing that area that we can't seem to get over. We can't seem to get past. We start going back to it. And what we've got to understand is that God gave up his life for us to give us overwhelming victory over that old life. Not so that we could pick it back up and run back to it. Not so that we could give power back to it and allow for it to control our life and to lead us towards death and destruction. But so that we could experience complete and total freedom and victory. And what God's desire for all of us in the room is that we would be freed not to run back to that old life of sin. But be completely freed up so that we can live in pursuit of Jesus. That we could look at our life and go, God, I cannot believe that you would love me that way. God, I can't believe that you gave up everything for me. And so, God, I'm blown away that you would love me the way that you do. And you've given me freedom and victory. And God, I don't want to go back to that old life of sin. God, I want to live completely free and victorious. I want to live the way that you've called me to live. And for our attitude to start being, God, you can have my life. God, wherever you want me to go, God, wherever you're calling me to, God, I'll follow you anywhere because I can't believe that there's a God who would love me that way. And God, for the rest of my life, I want to radically pursue you and I want to love you with everything that I've got because you gave up everything so that I could have life. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 5, here's what it says and we'll close with this. It says, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we've all died to our old life. 
He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. As we finish up tonight, I want to ask that um, as you're sitting there that, that you guys, every, every head bowed and every eye closed. And I'm going to ask that you not mess with your costume or mess with your neighbor's costume or that you mess around or anything like that, but that for the next couple minutes that you think about this question. For all of us in the room, where do we stand? Where do we stand tonight? I believe that there are some of you in the room tonight that have never come to a place where you've trusted Jesus as your savior. In other words, you've never reached out and said, God, I desperately need what you've done for me on the cross. God, I admit my sin. I know that I need you. And God, I receive the forgiveness that you offer. I ask that you forgive me, that you cleanse me. God, that you do all of these things that we just talked about tonight. That you free me from the control that sin has had on my life. I believe that there are some of you in the room tonight maybe that have never trusted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've allowed sin to dictate what you do and where you go and the things that you believe. If you are honest enough to admit tonight that you have never come to a place where you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, but tonight you want to receive the forgiveness that Jesus is offering you through the cross. I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit bold and with no one looking around. If you would just stand to your feet. If you would be bold enough to say, you know what, I've never trusted Jesus as my Savior. But as you've been talking tonight, I, I, I understand that I need the forgiveness that Jesus has offered me. And that you would just stand and say, that's me tonight. I'm going to ask that you be bold. There's no one looking around. There's no one in the room that's here to judge you or to look at you funny because you're standing to your feet. In fact, there's going to be nothing but acceptance and love because of a decision that you're making tonight. And I would just challenge you with this. If Jesus truly gave up everything for you so that you could have forgiveness, are you going to let anything stand in your way from receiving that tonight? You're going to let what a few people's opinions might be of you. Or the embarrassment of having to stand to your feet. Jesus is offering you hope. Jesus is offering you forgiveness. Jesus is offering you freedom from your life of sin. And all you've got to do is reach out and accept it. If you would say, that's me. I want to receive the forgiveness that Jesus is offering. Would you just stand to your feet? no one looking around. Anybody else? Say, I understand that I need the forgiveness that Jesus has offered me. I understand I can't fix my sin problem on my own. And I want, I want Jesus to forgive me and to free me from this life of sin. That's you if you would just stand.
Listen, I'm not trying to manipulate anything or any of that kind of stuff. And I think all of us desperately want all of us in the room to experience the hope and the forgiveness that Jesus offers. Everything can change for you. Anybody else? With heads still bowed and eyes closed, here's what I'm going to ask for you guys that are standing up. I'm going to say a prayer. It's not anything magical or anything about this prayer. This is you admitting your need for God and you receiving the forgiveness that Jesus offers. And so in your heart or silently to yourself, you can just repeat after me. Say, dear dear Jesus, I understand that sin has control over me. I realize tonight that sin desires to take me down a path that leads towards my destruction. God, I realize tonight that there is nothing that I can do to fix it. Jesus, I realize tonight how desperately I need you. God, I thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross to take on my sin. You took on my punishment so that I could go free. And Jesus, tonight I receive that gift. I ask that you forgive me of my sin. And you make me into a new creation. In Jesus' name. If you're standing tonight, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We've got some small group leaders that are around. Here's what I'm going to ask you just to, to walk in that general direction and just find either your small group leader or another adult that's nearby. And here's what we want to do. Not, not take up too much of your time, but just to be able to help kind of explain a little bit more of, of what this means for your life. And so then you can come back in here and just take a couple of minutes. But if you stood and you said you wanted to pray to receive Christ, and you can wait until the, um, until the band starts singing, but just find a small group leader and, um, and head out into the hall and they'll talk to you for a few minutes. Now, here's what I'm asking you guys, the rest of you to do, just for just a minute. If you'll just bow your heads again and close your eyes. I think there's a lot of us in the room tonight who have trusted Christ as our Savior. And yet, like what I just talked about in a minute ago, we have given power back to sin. Even though Jesus has come and he's cut the strings and he's released us from the control that sin had, we've gone back to those areas of sin that God has freed us from. And we've given power back to it. And it's causing a lot of damage in our life and it's leading us off track of where Jesus wants us to be and where he wants us to go. So here's what I'm going to ask with, with heads bowed and eyes closed. If, if you would be honest enough to say, hey, I've, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. But there's an area of my life that has control over me. You don't have to define it. You don't have to say what it is. But there's something or some things, multiple things that have controlled me that I've given power back to. And I just ask that you would pray for me. That I would receive the, the freedom once again that Jesus has given to me. If you would just slip your hand up and say, hey, that's me. I've trusted Christ as Savior, but there are areas of my life that I've given control over to. 
Jesus, I thank you for tonight. God, I thank you for the students who were bold enough to say, I desperately need the salvation that Jesus is offering. God, I thank you for those students who were bold enough to, to admit their need for you and to receive the forgiveness that you offered. God, I thank you that what you say in your word is true, that you make us into a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Jesus, I, I pray for the students and, and adults, for all of us in the room that have admitted that we've trusted you as our Savior and we've received all of these incredible benefits that you offer us through the cross. And yet, for whatever reason, we have gone back to those areas of sin. That sin that has been rendered powerless or dead in our lives, God, we have, we have brought it back to life and we have given it power over us. God, you know where we're at. You know those areas. God, I pray that you would remind us that freedom and forgiveness is only found in you. That no matter how tempting or deceiving those things may be, they can never lead to life and freedom. They only lead to destruction. God, I pray that you would bring us back to the freedom that is only found in you. God, I pray that you would that you would remove those areas, that you would remove the power, God, that you would not allow those things to control us any longer, but that you would once again bring us back into right standing with you, just like you did when we first trusted you, and that we would be completely and totally free to serve you and to love you the way that we were created. God, we thank you, we love you, we pray, and everybody said, amen.